Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Create Your Bliss with Nika Annan. Today, we have the wonderful opportunity to do a very different kind of interview with Peggy Huddleston. Peggy Huddleston is a pioneer in mind-body medicine. Her writing and groundbreaking research focuses on ways positive emotions and the human spirit speed healing. She has developed five steps to prepare for surgery using mind-body techniques. Research shows they significantly reduce anxiety before surgery lessen the use of pain medication by 23 to 50% and speed healing. Her book, Prepare for Surgery, Heal Faster, a guide of body-mind techniques and its companion relaxation CD, give people facing surgery a way to go from feeling anxious to feeling peaceful, which is a state of being proven to speed healing. She trains healthcare professionals to give her one-hour Prepare for Surgery workshop and how to lessen the side effects of chemotherapy workshops. She is a psychotherapist, a researcher, a graduate of Harvard Divinity School, where her study focused on what individuals can do emotionally and spiritually to speed their physical healing. She also has a number of resources available. There is a recent Huffington Post, How Is Your Body a Mirror of Your Thought, about her and numerous other topics which we will begin to cover in this interview where we will be talking to Peggy and also people who have utilized her skills either as professionals or as clients or patients. And I don't even know if that's the right way, as healing participants. Let's try that way. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So... I'm really struck at the assumption in your work that the body is our ally, that it responds to our attention and our love and our conversation, and it has information for us. How did you come to talk about this? Well, that's such an interesting question. I have to begin to remember what it goes back to. Um, I found as I would be working with clients and they would come in with chronic physical pain. As I'd show them how to get deeply, deeply relaxed so they then could talk to that part of the body that had the pain, that, that almost always there'd be emotions that were stored there that the person didn't want to feel. Mm-hmm. And by not wanting to feel them, it was like two glaciers, tectonic plates pushing against each other. One was the emotion, like an emotional splinter pushing up, wanting to be released and the other was the person going, oh, my gosh, I don't, that's the last thing I want to feel, pushing down, resisting it. And as they would discover that was what was causing the pain, where those two plates met, and if they could just begin to feel it and release it, and then feel it with no resistance, what was, had been the resisted emotion would become exquisitely sweet and dissolve. Mm. So I found that over and over again, and found that emotions we don't want to feel, we just luckily have the ability 
to store them in our body, but then it becomes unlucky when we don't take out the trash every day and release them. And it doesn't sound like you need to go through and re-experience it in the in the trauma sort of a, a primal scream response to acknowledging the emotion. Exactly, because that actually just is like making a deeper groove in the record. Uh, it's actually feeling them and welcoming them and saying it's all right to feel like this. It's feeling it, and as they're just felt, they released. Um, and so it's I find it's just really the exact opposite that does it. So just by honoring it and listening. So, just, Well, just mostly feel, feeling it, but with no resistance. The primal scream is wonderful because it's feeling it, but it's having a person go back through all the agonizing emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. And I found there's a way to do it that's been used with cultures for thousands of years, like the Sundance is a way it's done. Are you familiar with that? Yes, but you might want to describe it briefly for for people who are listening who aren't. Well, as you know, it's uh, the person. There, uh, it's a beautiful native tradition. Which, which tribes do it? Um, I think it's a Lakota Sioux. Yes, exactly Lakota, and they have a pole, and from it are ropes, and each person, man, pierces their chest and puts a wooden peg through that place and then pulls, puts the wooden the peg through it and then pulls against it, intentionally causing pain. And the whole community sings and chants and supports them as they're all dancing around this pole because they've learned that if you go into pain and have no resistance to it, it flips you into an ecstatic state. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they've used it <clears throat> as a culture to be able to access ecstatic states where they're a feeling of oneness with the divine. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, much easier way to do it uh, than that. It's just all of us are carrying emotions in our body we didn't want to feel. And as a person just allows themselves to feel into them and just feel them with appreciation and no resistance, they just release. That's wonderful. And so you have worked with people with illness, with surgery, and what is that process like? What is what does it entail for the person to do? Well, when I uh, when I was doing my graduate study at Harvard Divinity School, I was studying. They let me design my own course of study of what can a person do emotionally and spiritually to speed their own physical healing. So in that situation, I was working with people who had multiple sclerosis who had just been diagnosed, showing them what to do to put it into, into remission. And that have um, symptoms like they might have blurry vision or numbness in one leg. And as I'd show them how to get deeply relaxed and just feel it, uh, the emotions would dissolve. And this is almost 30 years ago and where they didn't have any medications for multiple sclerosis. And as the person would learn to learn to get deeply relaxed and keep letting the emotions go, their symptoms would never progress. And the people I've worked with, it's been 30 years, and the, they would get exacerbations, but they would use this to release the symptoms, and never ha- they've never had their symptoms progress. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, so it was 
So I started working there, and then at one time I had a whole group of clients who were preparing for surgery, and they kept saying, well, my doctor says, I'll take care of you, you'll be fine. But uh, they weren't. They were very anxious, and they came to me saying, what can I do to reduce my anxiety? And so I came up with five steps that they could use to reduce their anxiety, and as they would use these steps, they would come back and say, oh, I've, I've gotten so peaceful, I can shift into a deep inner peace that I've actually never felt before. And I was very peaceful before surgery, and my surgeon said I had much less bleeding in the operating room, and that would be because when a person is very relaxed, when they go into surgery, their vascular pressure is lower, and so there's less bleeding in the OR during surgery. And then afterwards, it'd say, my doctor tells me I'm using about 50% less pain medication and that my surgical wound is healed um, much faster than I've ever, I've ever seen it heal. And so I thought, well, I just had all the motivated people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think too much of it. And again, I thought, well, oh, that that's nice, but good. And they said, you've got to put this into a book so I can send this to friends and family when they're having surgery. So I I really had, I really could feel four books sitting above my head completely finished, and I knew this book was the first one, and I, I watched myself avoiding writing it, <laughs> and uh, so I, I finally settled down and said, okay, I'm going to really do this. I wrote for every day for about six hours for about two years, and was just in such a high state writing it. I take my son to school to kindergarten and go back and pick him up at three and write all all the time in between and it was wonderful and uh, put these five steps into writing and now the book is it's years later and every year the book sells more copies and it's being used at more and more hospitals across the country because the research shows it does reduce anxiety before surgery speed healing and lessens use of pain medication so it's been very uh, thrilling to watch how it's had a life of its own helping people. And the book we're talking about is Prepare for Surgery, Heal Faster, A Guide of Mind-Body Techniques. And I know, Peggy, years ago when I, I'm trying to think when this was, in the 90s at some point I went to um, have surgery and I actually had fibroids removed from my uterus and I didn't want to let them take my uterus. And somehow I had not heard directly about your book, but I had heard, and so I took a, a CD, so something I could listen to, and I told the doctor and the anesthesiologist, you know, I respond very well to positive input, you need to tell me this is going to work well, and that I'll be fine. Um, so I must have heard about this from somewhere, and took in a, a CD of Tibetan chants. And it was wonderful because the doctor said, oh, that's fabulous. You don't need a headset. I'll play that for the whole operating room. How so, marvelous. Yeah, it was a oh. great experience. I have not had that with the other one. I went and had my foot done last year. That was not on that doctor's wavelength. But I was, I did say I respond well to positive and was, was very proactive. But I think that that's, I think that, what that gave me was a sense that I was a participant, not a, I don't think victim's the right word, but not an inert part of a surgery. Yes, and you can make such an enormous difference in, in being, by being 
deeply relax before surgery, and afterwards you can dramatically, what I've found, you can dramatically speed your healing. Uh, I mean, I, I learned this as people would be using my book, Preparing for Surgery, and would come to me to have a one-hour workshop before. I learned the degree to which we can influence our healing. I learned this first when a woman came to me. She said, um, in two weeks I'm supposed to have 12 inches of my colon removed. Mm. And I'm petrified. She said, I'm a chiropractor, and I've had three back surgeries, and after each one I was worse off than before. And so I've put off this colon surgery as long as I can endure the pain to avoid it because I'm just sure I'm going to have conflict. I'll be worse after the surgery. So her whole belief system was making herself avoid the surgery. She said, but now it's the doctor at Brigham and Women's Hospital, which is a Harvard teaching hospital in Boston, said um, he'll do the surgery whenever I just can't stand it anymore. She said, I'm at that point, and it's two weeks away, and I need to use your program. So she was the most anxious client I'd ever had. Hmm. And you know when you're with someone and their anxiety is so high, it actually hurts to be near them? Yes. I felt like shards of glass were coming out of her energy field. It was painful to sit opposite her. And I knew that was her extremely high levels of anxiety. So I guided her through my five steps to prepare for surgery, and she got deeply relaxed. And then when we came up with what would her end result be for when she was healed after surgery, she said, well, I live in Concord, Massachusetts, and I love to walk along the Concord River. I said, well, if you were completely healed after the surgery, what would you see? And she said, oh, it would be an August day. And I'd see the purple flowers in the field, the wild flowers. I'd feel the sun on my shoulders. I'd feel the light dancing on the, on the river, twinkling. And then she spontaneously put her hand on her colon and said, and my colon would feel perfect. And with that, this wave of peace spread from her head all the way down to her body, to where her hand was on her tummy. And mm. I said, do you feel that peace? She said, yes. I said, well, every time the worry of your surgery comes up, would you be willing to just instead switch for one minute into this feeling that you're walking along the Concord River, you see the wild purple flowers, this light dancing on the water, and you feel the peace? She said, yes. I said, but you can't do it every other time you worry. You have to do it every time. She said, I'll do it. And she just did it to avoid her anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, listen to my relaxation CD twice a day because by getting deeply relaxed and it gets her healing imagery into her unconscious mind because 85% of it is, is unconscious. So you have to get deeply relaxed to access your unconscious mind. So she would put her healing imagery into her mind each time she would use my relaxation CD and she would also shift herself out of her extreme anxiety into peacefulness and she called me up two weeks later after the one-hour workshop she called from the hospital saying Peggy when my surgeon opened me up he thought he had the wrong site because everything was fine so he knew that wouldn't be possible because he'd been following my case for three years so he opened up two other sites and everything was healed and I was shocked I didn't know Nika, that we, that we could heal this way, but I realized what had happened was she had changed her emotional pattern all her life. She had stored anxiety and stress and tension in her gut, 
and that had just been causing this irritable bowel syndrome she had. So for two weeks, she interrupted that pattern and instead felt peace. And that's all it took for her body to heal. That's so amazing. And wonderful. Well, it helped me learn, because I didn't know this was possible, the extraordinary, as you were saying at the beginning, we have such an extraordinary ability to influence our own healing. And although I wrote the book to help people prepare for surgery, I've discovered through the people using it that we have such an amazing capacity to influence our own healing. And it's, it's, it's just been it's been like a petri dish of exp- exploration of what people c- can do because they'll call me up or they'll send me emails explaining what the results have been and, and then I'll get the res- the feedback, say, from where I, at Brigham and Women's Hospital, the Harvard Teaching Hospital, I've trained 20 staff members who will give a free one-hour Prepare for Surgery Heal Faster workshop to any of their patients preparing for surgery. They ask the patient to go to the gift shop and buy the book and relaxation CD and because of seeing that patients will leave the recovery room two to three hours sooner, their vital signs are stable sooner, and that they actually will leave the hospital, usually after major surgery, a day sooner. So for them, they have a happier patient, and they also save money because they, uh, they're they paid a fixed amount by the insurance company, and if the patient leaves the hospital sooner, the hospital can keep that money. Plus, with Obamacare, with healthcare now, when patient satisfaction scores increase, the hospital gets more reimbursement. So they they make more money on both ends, and they have happier patients. So uh, there are many hospitals like that across the country that are using it, like NYU Medical Center in New York City offers my program for free to any patient who'd like to use it. They have a a department of holistic nurses who are trained to use it in California at Kaiser Permanente Santa Clara Medical Center. They had me train about 20 staff members, and they offer patients uh, a Prepare for Surgery Heal Faster workshop. But someone can use this just by getting the book and CD. They don't. They can use the workshop if they'd like to have their hand held to be guided through it, which many of us do, or they can just use the book themselves. But this is what I've learned in the process, and I've also recently at the University of Maryland Medical Center was asked by the doctor who's chief of that department, to develop a program for patients preparing for bone marrow transplants because they found that uh, if they could be more relaxed and reduce their anxiety before the bone marrow transplant, they had much better results. Because otherwise, it's a terrible statistic. 30% of patients of a bone marrow transplant die within a year uh, after the transplant from complications. So they are using my program then to lower that rate. Wow. I love that this is a combination of of intention and and love and relaxation and it has such strong results. Well, I've made a real point to do the medical research doing randomized controlled studies to document the improved surgical outcomes and the shorter length of stays because I find I have to speak both languages, speak the language that nurses and doctors and healthcare professionals use and 
the cost savings, but then also the book is written for the person who's having surgery, so it speaks the human language about understanding their fears about surgery, understanding their old emotions stored there that need to get released. And so it's it's all of that. Uh, that need, it's two languages we're speaking. That they're very talking to the human heart of the person who's having surgery and is afraid, and then speaking to the healthcare professional. And teaching customized patients how to talk to the healthcare professional. Yes, exactly. And, because I think uh, that's very important too. Very. Uh, and they really don't need their doctor to do anything. They just ask the anesthesiologist when they meet them 20 minutes before surgery. There's a one page of healing statements in the book, three statements. And they ask, could you or a nurse in the operating room say these three statements to me? And the anesthesiologist will say, like a Kaiser Permanente Santa Clara Medical Center, will say, oh, I love to do this. Or it may be a hospital where they've never heard of this. And they'll say, well, I'll, I'll ask a nurse to do it because the anesthesiologist doesn't know what it is. Although the joke among anesthesiologists is that they know when their patients are unconscious with anesthesia during surgery that they're highly suggestible. And if they're whispering in the patient's ear, you'll pay the anesthesiologist bill first. <laughs> <laughs> so they know that. Um, uh, but they may say, well, we'll have a nurse do it. And I'll say, well, the book explains then ask, say, can I meet that nurse for a minute? And then you just hand the page to the nurse saying, could you say these to me? And the nurses will say, you know, sweetheart, I'd love to do this. And we'll say the statements. Do you want me to say what they are in case someone's had yes. surgery tomorrow and needs to use them? I would love that. I think that would be a gift. As, as the patient's going under the anesthesia, they'll write down, please say to me five times as I'm going under the anesthesia, following this operation, you will feel comfortable and heal very well. And they repeat it five times because the anesthesia is putting them in, into various altered states of consciousness. And as they go into those states, these positive statements are going to their unconscious. So as a result, uh, they have the research shows they use, in the one study at the Leahy Clinic in Massachusetts, that they use about... They, their study with colorectal surgery, they use about 60% less pain medication uh, than patients not using the program. The second statement is said towards the end of surgery, your operation is going very well, because, again, the patient's unconscious and it, it powerfully influencing them, because it's found in wonderful research that's been done in Holland and in South Africa that if negative things were said in the operating room, like, oh, my God, this is terrible, there's no hope, just close them up, uh, that the patient hears that when they're unconscious and it has a terrible negative effect on their recovery. And so the third statement is, following this operation, you will be thirsty for, and the patient is filled in the name of their favorite light liquid, like chicken soup, or some people even will think a hot fudge sundae, which is not a light liquid. <laughs> they'll say it. And they'll wake up in the recovery room really hungry, and if they're hungry, they have zero nausea as a result. Oh, that's um, interesting. It, yeah, you can't be one or the other. So they'll wake up saying, I want my chicken soup, and the nurses will say, sweetheart, that's fine. You can have it when you get back to your room. But if you're hungry, uh, you have a faster turn of bladder and bowel function and are ready. Uh, they'll also urinate much faster and are able at Brigham Women's Hospital to leave 
leave the recovery room two to three hours sooner than patients just using standard care. That's wild, and I know you can't leave the hospital until you've had regular function. Exactly. You have to be able to urinate before they'll let you out of the recovery room. Right. That's that's so profound. I, I find this really engaging Again, because I think it's such a, a place in people's lives where they feel very helpless. You know, mm-hmm. that they, first of all, being sick or being in pain makes one feel helpless. And to realize that relaxation and honoring those feelings may help release whatever the pain is, is huge. And then to be able to participate. I noticed in the book that you suggest that patients ask the nurse each day, what are your goals for me today? Yes, yeah, so then the patient can be involved in in uh, feeling they're accomplishing that goal, visualize it, and then it's much easier for them to actually accomplish it. Well, and I think it's also very interesting because as we talk about these altered levels of consciousness, if those parts of us have assignments, as it were, then they know what to do, and they can be totally focused on the healing process and doing whatever it is that needs to happen on all those non-conscious, subconscious, um, primordial levels in, in the body, in how we are in the world, to participate in the healing process as opposed to deal with the anxiety or the fear and try and heal and sort out what are that they need to pay attention to and what they don't need to pay attention to. <laughs> um, exactly. And then I hear these amazing uh, stories. I had an anesthesiologist call me up from Mass General Hospital in Boston, and he said, we have to tell you, I have to tell you I saw a miracle. Today. I said, what? He said, we had a patient who was using a program who had to have brain surgery. A benign tumor was being removed. And when the surgeon opened up the patient we saw that the tumor that he had to remove was all wrapped or entangled. Mm. And we just stood there. He was wondering what to do. And as we stood there, it unwrapped itself and presented itself like a flower. That oh, he my could just God. Off. Oh, my God, I got chills. And, and, and I think why that happens is the third step of the five steps of preparing for surgery, the third step is you ask all your friends and family to think of you during the half hour before surgery, wherever they are in the world, and then the same half hour to think of you and wrap you in a blanket of love. And this mm. woman had gotten all of her, she had a large family and lots of cousins, and they had all were doing this from different parts of the country. And so she had been wrapped in love. So you're, you're really, there's a place where, as individuals, we all feel separate and alone on one level. There's a level where spiritually we're all connected. There is a oneness. And so when you have a person access, have the whole, all the family members connecting with love, you shift into that place of oneness. And in that state, miracles happen. And I think that's why it just presented itself like a flower to be snipped off. That is so wonderful. And I love that because so many indigenous people, the healing process is significantly based in calling your community together. 
And that's not so everybody can disperse the payments or anything. It's so that you have a community to love and support you and say you're valid and be present in this deep change that you're going through. Yes, and it makes, as you say, it makes such a difference when we gather our community. And in the Native traditions, they have a very palpable community, uh, whereas as those of us who aren't living in that, that way, we have to keep recreating our tribe every time we have we need their help. Mm-hmm. And I think as a culture, we're learning the value of that. We went through a period for some reason where our bodies were not to be respected and loved and where we did not, you know, mothers were separated from the babies at birth and mm-hmm. you weren't supposed to go near the patient, that they needed isolation to heal. And uh, I think love is such, and, and all the different kinds of love in, in English, we don't have a lot of words for it, but all the different kinds of love are essential to to life. Yes, and, and exactly what I have found so thrilling is people will use my program, listen to CD to shift themselves out of anxiety into feeling peaceful. But as they keep using it twice a day for maybe a week or two weeks before surgery, they'll say, I've connected to an inner peace I've never known before, mm-hmm. and this has changed my life. And they're really connecting to their essence. They've shifted out of their personality into their essence or their, say their soul, which is peace and which is love, and they've come home to who they are. And so it's, it, they're just amazed because they're feeling it. They'll say, I've, I've had a spiritual practice for years, uh, and we've talked about this, but now I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. And that's very different. And sometimes this, the illness may just be a disconnect. From the essence. Well, I think you're, yes, I think you're right, because I've found that when a person can just reconnect to that essence, there's profound healing. <clears throat> Peggy, I'm, I'm on the phone. I don't know if you want me. I've been on oh, for there's Patricia. 10 minutes. Yes, I called in, but I didn't want to interrupt you, but it's so relevant to what I do <clears throat> with the teaching of emergence to shift from ego to essence. So I know it's recorded, so I, I thought maybe you'd want to know I'm on. I'm oh, happy this, is, this is Patricia Ellsberg. Patricia, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh, it's a d- d- total delight. I've been enjoying the last 10 <laughs> minutes so beautifully. <laughs> so yes, let's turn it into a conversation. Um, can you give us like a two-sentence introduction of who you are and uh, just for the radio of audience? Of course. Well, in addition to being a great fan as well as friend of Peggy's, I, I teach um, on uh, various teleseminars uh, a, a course called Emergence, the Shift from Ego to Essence. And, and that's why I'm inserting myself into the call because it's the emotional and psychological correlate to what you're saying. And of course, we are mind, body, heart. So they're all not only interconnected, they're just, you know, entirely intertwined. And and um, I've been listening to, uh, so I, just to continue on who, who I am, I teach on that. I have a website, Patricia Ellsberg dot net, Ellsberg, E-L-L-S-B-E-R-G, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, my whole passion is to 
live, to use a phrase of Peggy's, uh, live in the flow of divine love, which um, I succeed more and more in, not totally, obviously, but I listened to te- uh, Peggy's uh, CD um, twice a day as I go to sleep with it and I wake up with it, and it sets me into that tone or that vibration or that sense of wholeness and oneness with all that is for me the most precious thing in life and um so that's my work in the world is more the emotional and spiritual dimensions and peggy has combined them all which is so beautiful and so i i just wanted to enter the conversation to say that this work has dimensions that enrich your whole life um, and and I've used it for one medical minor um, procedure, something called blue light that my dermatologist said I should do, which is uncomfortable, <clears throat> but not painful or or in any way threatening. And um, I did the thing that you were just talking about of the uh, 20 minutes or, or of getting friends or half an hour sending love. So I sent an email out the day before and I was wrapped in this blanket of love. And it was actually a transcendent experience sitting there in the doctor's office in you know, significant discomfort. I wouldn't say pain, but the love field was so strong. And I've told other friends, and they've had the same experience when they face surgery. And it is absolutely transformative, and I'm sure it boosts the immune system. And so I'm complete. No, thank you for sharing that. And I think, has someone else joined us? Yes, um, my name is Jude Simmons. Great, welcome. And you want to tell us a little thank bit about you. yourself? This is Nika. We have sure. Patricia and Peggy are both on, and we are moving into the group part of the conversation, which is very exciting. So please share who you are. Um, well, my name is Jude Simmons, and um I called in to just share a little um, share a little bit about my experience with um, uh, this wonderful and powerful work that Peggy has put together. And um, uh, Peggy had asked me to call in to talk about this, and it's always a joy to talk about this because it's um, really a, a very active part of my life every day now. So I had a knee um, knee full knee replacement and. <clears throat> As you know, when you go into uh, a major surgery like that, your body has a good fear response about doing that. And um, so my wonderful doctor, Jackie Fields, said, you know, Jude, you do need to get Peggy Huddleston's work and get her CD and uh, go to work with that. And so I did. And um, I'm a therapist, and I, you know, I'm very... I I empower myself. I've I've had minor surgeries before. This is the first really major surgery that I've had. And so I knew to empower myself. I I have quite a bit of knowledge about mind-body connection. But, you know, when it comes right down to doing it, it's like, oh, please, somebody give me one, two, three, four, five of this. (laughs) And and that's what Peggy did uh, in her wonderful book. And uh, so, of course, with the CD, um, I immediately went from fear to this deep, amazing inner peace that um, was not, um, you know, wouldn't leave me 
Uh, there were some times when fear would come back, of course, but it was very manageable and definitely very manageable when I went into surgery. Um, and the power of the visualizations um, were just um, beautiful because as you do it, you you flesh out your end results that Peggy asked you to give three end results when you when you go over it and over it and over it and over it two times a day and maybe more um you know y- y- your mind um and your heart and your soul just begin to flesh out this beautiful outcome that maybe was just a little bit when you started but as you do it like a prayer and you know it it just becomes uh, a very powerful dominant uh uh, way of being in in, in any day, uh, so that was very very powerful for me. And as I heard, um, just briefly heard the previous person talking about the the little blanket of love. Wow, uh, I, I know that um, in the book it doesn't say really that you should think of the people that you've asked to send that to you, but I couldn't help but think of mm-hmm. them because they're my lovies, right? So. I'm laying there with my peachy, fuzzy blanket on and receiving love, which was coming my way, I know. But the the beautiful thing was that as I was in this very peaceful sort of prayer-like place that um, my wonderful connections to these people came back to me, all the beautiful rituals we do in women's groups and um, just uh, just the power of our connection. And the other really amazing thing about that is, you know, I sent out an email, and I didn't expect this or anticipate it, but they started um, calling and writing and sending me emails and texting me uh, prior to the actual surgical event. And so there was all that wonderful support ahead of time, which was uh, very beautiful. So, <clears throat> I hear um, something make... very important that I mm-hmm. hadn't quite articulated, but you said that the fear was replaced with a sense of peace. And one of the understandings for me of fear is that it doesn't, it means we need more information. And it's very interesting exactly. to turn back to that state of peace and say, oh, this is the information I need. And then instead of exactly. worry, yeah, to have a positive image. Well, our body is kind of programmed to go into fear or flight when there's danger, you know, And um, but that's only one part of the story. And uh, uh, we have higher, higher functioning. We can, we can implement higher functioning, which, uh, you know, we do as we begin to understand, like you say, with knowledge, understand that we have power. And not only that... Um, that our our ego is does not have to be in charge of this, you know. That our <laughs> yes. our, our heart and our soul and spirit can run the show here, and we can help our mind, you know, go right down the right channel, which is uh, just exactly what this work that Peggy has put together does, and it's so powerfully, so very powerfully. So um, I don't know uh, how much time I have to talk. Um, can you give me an idea so I can 
Well, um, we were going to talk for another maybe 20 minutes, so you're willing to stay and become a part of the conversation if you'd like, or do you need to get off? No, no, no. Okay. okay. I just wanted to say a couple things that I, I think are, uh, for me, were um, very powerful. Okay. And that, and, and that Peggy um, um, also wrote about in the book, and that is um, sort of the psycho-spiritual opportunities that you have in surgery. So you mm. have something going on in uh, the body, of course. And then there's always a, a bigger story. And um, so I was able to um, sort of descend into that bigger story as an opportunity in this surgery. And I think um, Peggy really uh, encourages people to do that, that there are other things that are going on besides what and me that's going out. Um, and so I was able to do that with my therapist and kind of descend into the uh, psychological and um, spiritual opportunities that were there for me and um, and was able to uh, use the surgery as a ritual, a ritual of letting go of some things I didn't need in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, very powerful things of letting go and also uh, doing the work ahead of time about just exactly what I was moving forward to as I let go. It's one thing to let go, but then you have a vacuum, right? So you have to uh, clearly state and um, affirm what it is that you're moving towards. So I found that part of um, Peggy's book really beautiful and uh, and also very helpful to me. So I, I, use, I use all this work... Um, uh, and skills and tools really in my life now. I'm preparing for a second knee surgery, and uh, January is my month to uh, sink back into beautiful. That's kind of what I <laughs> kind of what I call this, and do some more end results and uh, watch the miracle. And the other thing I would say was that, boy, the people in the hospital, they were very shocked and very delighted that uh, I had very little pain and I was joyful and came into my room singing singing my, a song and um, and it happened to be, uh, you know, a good experience for all of us. So I'm just, I'm a believer in, uh, uh, Peggy wanted me to mention that uh, um, because I'm such a believer, I I decided to uh, take the workshop training mm-hmm. with Peggy, and so I'm a certi- certified facilitator in Fort Collins, Colorado, and uh, can also uh, do this on the phone. Also, I I did eight workshops uh, with people that Peggy set me up with uh, um, prior to my certification. That was part of the certification, so that was lovely, and I've talked to them through their surgeries, prior to their surgeries, and then after their surgeries, and just have been delighted to hear their wonderful healing stories. So, yeah, so well, I could go on for a long time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Patricia, I'd like to go uh, back to you and ask you uh, to talk, especially in what we've heard about Jude's experience, this emergence to essence and combining the body, mind, and heart. 
and how you yes. use Peggy's work as a tool. And I, I know all of us need it in our lives, and I'm also thinking about a number of friends I know that have recently had surgeries and how they could use it, even though the surgery itself has passed. Well, the surgery is such a wonderful, um, motivating force. <laughs> yes. uh, and so, and and the implications and and um, real results of this, the, you know, the the end results are so much deeper <clears throat> than that particular crisis. And so that, um, you know, something I noticed when Peggy stayed with me for a month, she called me out of the blue. We hadn't seen each other for years. We'd met many years earlier in various workshops, and uh, when her brother had this stroke, and she flew out on, I think, a day's notice or less, and um, we have a guest room, and it was just a blessing to have her in the house. What I noticed was that she spent 10, 12 hours in intensive care by beside her brother, who was uh, you know, in in the hospital with that, and then when he moved to the regular uh, hospital, she stayed there. She often um, would sleep there sometimes, and she would come back to the house radiant. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, that's not the usual way one comes back from <laughs> spending time, with, whether as a visitor or as a patient in the hospital. But she really walks her talk, and it's contagious. And and a spiritual path happen, happens to be at the center of my life, rather eclectic, mm-hmm. you know, Buddhist and also other um, different, different disciplines, uh, Kundalini and t- Tantra and various things, but always with this idea that this is the way I want to live. This is who I am. And I forget my identity and get caught in ego. Um, you know, ego can be healthy, but it also can have the wounded parts that hijack you. And so the practice is when you get caught in reactivity or fear or anger, you know, the, the whole kissing cousins there, that you can kind of stop and breathe and go to that centered place that Peggy's CD takes you. And also you learn to do it even when that, when you're not listening to the CD in the midst of the daytime. And it's the most important practice of my life um, now is to, one, take time in the morning. Peggy gave me the blessing years ago because I love to meditate while lying down with a hand in my heart and a hand in my belly in the morning before getting up. Mm-hmm. And it's not kosher, but I do it regularly, not out of duty, but out of total attraction i mean it, it it it's like when if you don't exercise all you know the difference between when you've exercised and when you haven't well, this is spiritual exercise and i i go into this state of bliss and it infuses the rest of the day mm-hmm. and then i can lose it of course depending on circumstance lose the connection not actually the the identity of of this higher self, but the connection to it, and it can come back much more easily uh, with a certain mindfulness of when I'm losing it, and then I come back to it. And I would say, uh, when Peggy stayed here, uh, my sister, whom you might have heard of, Barbara Marks Hubbard, and I'm Mm -hmm. working closely with her. She's a very wonderful 86-year-old. She's very proud of that, (laughs) 86-year-old. who's just a dynamo. 
and and Barbara and I both had a session with Peggy, which she gave it us as a gift, um, because we both have I have osteoporosis, and Barbara has some other uh, blood situation with the bone marrow, uh, and Peggy gave us this this um, wonderful phrase for the results we wanted. You know, one one or two of the three that we mm-hmm. came up with the end results. Of, Living centered in the flow of divine love. Oh, beautiful. And, and that phrase just resonated with me so deeply and highly, you know, and, and horizontally and vertically and in every way. And so that's the North Star of my life now. It's what I teach, and, and it's what I live more than I ever have. I'm I'm 78, almost 78 myself, and I'll probably be teaching something called ecstatic elders. <laughs> because, because if you stay centered in that energy, which Peggy Peggy leads you into, your life is like heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And even if the world is as dark as it is, you still can keep that that flame in your heart of spirit and wholeness and spread it which is for me the most important thing I can do. And so um, this is is life-enhancing, life-transforming, way beyond the very much-needed preparing and healing faster for surgery. Uh, I'm I'm complete. That's very beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. As you were talking, I I thought that it's really setting a new normal in our in our being, in our essence, in our daily life. That this is this is where you go back to, as opposed to fear or confusion or resistance to all those. It's like oh, that's just such a gift to the world. And and it's a practice, you know, because Mm -hmm. we all lose it, you know, at certain times. I don't know about Peggy, but I do. (laughs) I've never seen her lose it. But 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 if you find yourself losing it before you go down 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 sink into it, you know, and really get hijacked, if you can stop and just center uh, in that way, relax, breathe, and call on the higher self, whatever it is, the divine presence, whatever it is for you. Um, it it does it, it it you can sustain it more and more and more. So yes. So Peggy, um, can you engage all of this? How how do you feel in your daily practice of it? And well, Nika, my goal is is uh, what Patricia was saying, and also what Drew was saying is that when I when I wake up in this state. Um, uh, if I'm, I usually wake up in it and I just love to lie there connecting to my essence and then as feeling it flowing through me and sometimes I don't want to get out of bed because it feels so good <laughs> and then how to keep it going throughout the whole day is what I focus on so so that that's what I that's what I that's what that's what my focus is Well, Peggy, I'll just add, if I may, this is Patricia, that I would ask Peggy when she'd come home from the hospital, and, you know, her brother is healing miraculously, but at at first it wasn't clear, and the doctors weren't, uh, you know, all that encouraging, and 
I would say, Peggy, how do you maintain this in the hospital in, with, you know, your brother really uh, almost in a coma, you know, mm-hmm. not, not very responsive. I mean, that's terrifying. And uh, she said, well, I know that that's how I can help heal him. I mean, that not that she's mm-hmm. healing him, but that the energy that she would get in if it was fear and anxiety was not helpful whereas being this this island of coherence, you know, in chaos of the hospital was the gift that she could give him. And I think that's true of all of us in life. And she really does it. <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, I I really like that you use the word coherence because mm-hmm. I feel that if we use this connection as the organizing principle, as that which makes coherency in our lives, that all of our decisions come from a different place, not from fear. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember as a, as a, in my mid-twenties, I suddenly thought, you know, I don't want to make decisions out of fear. I'm not making decisions out of fear. So I worked very hard not to make decisions out of fear for about two years, and then I suddenly thought, hmm, so where do I want to make them from? <laughs> you know, that, that to find a place and then to begin to connect to that state of an essence, that that's where you go and check in with that place of connection and ask for the next step. Well, I find that, this is Jude, I find that um, uh, as a therapist, I see that it uh, it takes um, some time to move from the old story, the story of conditioning and uh, the story that has created a certain amount of um, belief system and identity formation that is connected to the old story, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, move from the old story to the new story, which I call the love story, and which we're talking about in terms of thinking into our essence and um, knowing uh, that we are whole and we are holy. Um, But like you say, you know, it takes a little bit of time to move from uh, that place of the old story to the new story, which is the love story. And once you move into the love story and experience the love story, I think that even though the old story comes back um, and knocks on the door, and you might open the door, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take much to to recognize um, that you have uh, uh, forgotten your identity. You have forgotten the truth of who you are. You have stepped out of your truth, and, uh, and I find that um, uh, using the, med- or the uh, relaxation and the breath work, and um, like you're talking about uh, holding your hand on your heart and your belly, you know, there's um, a handful of wonderful ways to return to the love story, and boy, once you've once you've uh, landed in the love story and you experience the love story, you really do not want to go back to the old story. You just don't. And, of course, we're human. And uh, it is the story that we came into, so it does um, present itself to us. But uh, um, this work is uh, 
a wonderful way to help people land smack dab into the love story and into their essence. And Peggy had shared with me a chapter from a book that's being written on healers. And the thing that impacted me so much about, so many things impacted me about it, but one of the things that really impacted me was this this idea of our higher self. And, you know, I've always mm-hmm. been very spiritual and, you know, with a, a handful of different um spiritual modalities that I use uh, to inspire me. But I never really uh, thought of the higher self um, as this 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 essence around me and um, that I could tap into it and I could download light. Now, that was just um, a magnificent sort of meditation of just downloading light from your higher self downloading it to the places in your body that uh, are asking for more love, but just basically downloading it in, uh, into this um, wonderful body uh, that can be um, spiritualized in that beautiful way. Um, I've really enjoyed, I'm a very visual person, so I've enjoyed the visuals of that, but I've also enjoyed the actual reality of that and and the power that it has to help keep you grounded in the love story. Nico, what what Jude's referring to is on my relaxation CD. There's Mm -hmm. a place where a person is deeply, they've gotten deeply relaxed and then I'll have them just feel the love flowing in from their higher self Mm. and having it flowing all down through their body because there is a palpable streaming of love. We're always connected to the divine People may not feel it, but when you shift into into that centered place, you feel the love that's always been there. It's like we come back home to our essence, and it is a flow of love. It is a flow of light. It's like gravity. A person may not believe in it, but their apple's still going to fall on the ground. Right. <laughs> and and so it's just showing a person how to feel that that light that's and that love that is flowing through them. And when people feel it, they just drink it in and. And it's what's always what's so amazing is it's what's always been there, which every spiritual tradition honors. And yet we so um, turn away, or or it's not a part of our daily cultural life, and and it's so available at the same time for us to say, oh, in this moment, I can connect to it, and it doesn't have anything to do with deserving, because I think that's another peace in the dominant culture that there's a sense of I don't deserve to be recipient of this and it doesn't it, that's not a part of the light and, the, and that divine love thank you for listening to this week's episode of Create Your Bliss with Nika Anand part one of Nika's interview with Peggy Huddleston and Patricia Ellsberg part two of Nika's interview with Peggy and Patricia will air on Friday February 19th on Life Coach Radio Networks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.